You're listening to Creative Rituals with me, artist and illustrator Georgie Stewart. This is a new podcast about the daily habits of artistic life. Each week I'll be asking writers, artists, musicians and all kinds of creatives about how exactly they get down to it and make great work. How do artists plan their day to generate and protect their creativity? My guest this week is Karen Stanleyland platt Karen is a photographer, writer and the founder of her business with passion and purpose. She works solely with females who are deeply passionate about the work that they do and describes herself as a cheerleader for real women. At the heart of everything Karen does is visibility. She wants to help those who might doubt their own abilities or feel uncomfortable in front of a camera be seen and recognised for their talents. Photographer barely scratches the surface when it comes to describing the work Karen does, as so much of it is soul and purpose driven. She has created the community The Passion and Purpose Club, a group of women who come together in real life to support each other in their businesses and discuss relevant topics or societal obstacles they might be facing. We chatted all things creativity and visibility and how she stays inspired within her work. Can you talk a little bit about the work that you do? Uh, yes, so I am, uh, well, my predominant role is as a photographer um, and I work pretty much exclusively with women. Um, so it tends to be women that are following their passion or they're running their own business. Um, and yeah, I just love helping women to be more visible and the work I do I hope is very truthful and very authentic. So it's a real reflection of them. Um, But yeah, and I also run a, more recently, I started running a community as well, which is again about helping women to be more visible, but it's kind of a network with photos and and all sorts of things. So yeah, exploring that a lot more at the moment. Yeah, and you took the photographs for my last exhibition, Travels to My Van. And your photos, they almost have a dream-like quality to them. When I opened them, I was obviously blown away. I loved them so much. Oh, that's so lovely to hear. I mean, it was it was such a gorgeous event to be part of as well. And, like, sometimes I kind of feel like I've got the easiest job in the world because if there's a beautiful event, you had amazing people there. It was such a beautiful atmosphere to be part of and then your amazing work hung on the walls as well so all I had to do was kind of like click a camera and capture that um, moment so I I kind of think there's uh, I don't know if this is going too far or not but I feel like if there is good energy in an event or coming from that person if I can somehow try and capture a bit of that then that hopefully then comes across in the photos. Do you ever have the opposite problem? Like, do you ever end up saying yes to things and then you get there and you think, there's not much energy here, how am I going to make magic? <laughs> Probably not for a while, I think. Yeah. Like, more when I was starting out in photography and probably doing just anything that kind of came my way to get the work, to get paid to build a portfolio all of those sorts of things um so maybe maybe then like uh probably being really really open and honest like uh events with lots of men are probably not my thing um so I'm really fortunate that I tend to be involved in gorgeous events like yours or or women like you that are are full of good energy that just shines out of them (laughs) I've been fortunate And what made you decide to narrow your pool of subjects and just focus solely on women? Um, I think if I'm really, yeah, if I'm really honest, it kind of happened to me and I'm glad that it did. So there was a period of time kind of maybe in the first couple of years of my photography when it was much broader and it was just literally photographing whatever work came my way that I was invited to photograph some networking events that were exclusively for women. Um, And they actually, they wrote a bio for me to promote that I would be there to do the photos. And they actually said kind of, 
works with female founders, which obviously was themed to their event. But I kind of read that and thought, oh, I actually really like that. And um, so that kind of planted the seed. And then also off the back of doing those events, which were incredible to be part of, um, it meant that a lot of the women at those events then contacted me. So, and it's just kind of gone from there. Um, so, yeah, I'm glad that's. It's funny how, as your practice evolves, a lot of those transitions are happy accidents, and those are often the most meaningful ones than the ones that you're really trying to sort of force. <laughs> yeah. And it's frustrating, isn't it, when you're kind of at points in your work where you want those like magical things to kind of happen you can't force them yeah but it's so true like even through doing this podcast like I talked to Sadie the other day Ah. and then the day after she asked me if I'd want to do a talk about something that I'm really interested in that I probably wouldn't have necessarily had the confidence to do before without her asking me if I wanted to do it but again it's just you never know where stuff's going to lead and that's something that I'm really interested in pursuing more so yeah it's all it's all about the journey isn't it it is definitely and it's kind of it's that balance between like not doing stuff you really don't want to do but if something's just intriguing and maybe a little bit off your norm a bit scary but in a good yeah then it's kind of going okay I'll give it I'll see what happens um yeah can you talk a bit about the passion and purpose club what kind of things happen there and what kind of subjects do you discuss yeah of course um so uh it's probably fairly obvious that it's female focused um and we basically We've got a real mix of people that attend, firstly. So female entrepreneurs, um, people that maybe are really passionate about the career that they're in. Um, And uh, sorry, that's my dog tiptoeing past. Um, And we basically get together every month and we talk about the things that are affected us in our business um and then we have photos so that's putting it really kind of simply what we do um we've got clubs in Manchester Leeds down in London now as well um and it's also as a result we're creating quite a good online community from it as well so even the people the women that aren't necessarily meeting in person at the clubs can meet online through other activities and things that we do but it's ultimately it's about kind of visibility and like having courage and being brave and putting yourself out there sometimes when you're not ready and doing that as part of a community where everybody's cheerleading each other is is really powerful because it means that support continues past that meeting and you've got other women checking in kind of saying how did it go did you do that thing and so it's kind of evolved a lot over the last couple of years since it started, but um, it's really beautiful. I'm really proud of it and the women that are part of it. Yeah. And you made the decision recently to change the name from Photo Club to Passion and Purpose Club. Um, why did you think that was important to make that change? Um, so Photo Club, because this idea literally came from me having a spark of a thought two years ago and I went straight on Instagram um, and did a video and kind of said I've had this kind of idea and it's a bit like this and it's a bit like that Um, I'm going to call it photo club so there was no thought that went into that name at all Um, it was just something to give it a badge so that people could know what it was and what's happened is the people that are in it and know it it worked perfectly as a name but for anybody who maybe wasn't familiar with the work I do um, or you know were just coming across it for the first time it was they were getting confused they didn't know if it was a club for photographers or so it had a very different meaning to what it was actually all about and my brand is with passion and purpose so it felt like a really natural continuation of that 
And quite nicely, all of the women that come to it are full of passion and are following their purpose or what they believe to be their purpose in life. So it's like come full circle, but in a really great way. Yeah, lovely. Because I think I went to one, I think I was in London when I went to one and it was a small one. Yeah. Because you get various, you might have some with over 20 people, right? And then some with three or four or five. Yeah, and it can vary really from one month to the next because obviously it's like people's availability and all sorts of things like that. And they're both beautiful. Like the bigger clubs are great from like perspective of meeting lots of different people and the collaboration and things like that. But then the small ones are great because these conversations go really deep. I think as women, we're really good at just going straight in. You know, we don't really like most of the people that I know and who come to the clubs and we're not really into small talk. That ends very. And then it's like both feet in and talking about the real nitty gritty. Get to the good stuff. Yeah, exactly. And the small clubs are brilliant for that. So it's nice to have a mix. Actually, it works quite well. Could you describe the environment of your workspace for me? Is there one space that you work in or are you a bit nomadic? um it's quite fixed because a lot of my work well when I'm at my desk anyway it's editing so I need my big mic which is not very portable I'd love to do more co-working and things like that but the practical side is I need a massive screen and and those sorts of things so but I suppose because of the clubs and then the shoots that I do, I have a nice mix. So probably 50% of my time is out meeting the different women or going on shoots. And I don't, I'm not studio based for my photography. So it tends to be, might be people's workplaces or, you know, we'll hire venues and things. But the rest of the time is at home. And it's sat at my desk, which is kind of in the middle of the living room at the moment, um, which is perfect because I'm near the kettle and the kitchen. So it works well. I can get a brew very quickly. Um, I would adore my dream is to have my own studio at the bottom of my garden. That's the dream. But uh, yeah, maybe a couple of years yet. Yeah, I have I've had that dream. I've actually just like realized that dream since moving here but it kind of by accident there, there's a shed here and yeah I put a lot of work into making it my studio but it honestly makes me so happy and I just think like where you work has such an impact on especially on a creative as well you want to feel inspired by your environment don't you it's uh yeah because don't get me wrong there's still because I do lots of different mediums like when I'm painting and stuff I want to be in the studio but when I'm working digitally I tend sometimes actually stay in the house and then I'm like oh, I should have gone into the studio because when I'm in there I feel much lighter and brighter than when I'm in the house and I feel it's like I guess more like cozy but there's temptations all around me there's the tv there's the kettle there's the fridge yeah <laughs> Being self-employed, do you organise a work schedule for yourself to stick to or is every day different and a bit looser? Yeah, I think uh, it's really fluid for me. The only fixed things now are the clubs, the Passion and Purpose clubs, because they're planned like a good six months in advance. So they're in my diary. Um, And I suppose the other thing with the clubs, I actually condense them all into a a fortnight each month so that I know I've got another fortnight without the clubs for editing for probably when I'm a little bit more introverted as well like I can kind of hide away a little bit um but other than that like I can be editing some mornings writing some mornings doing calls to arrange shoots it's really really flexible and I think for I think for a long time I tried to kind of schedule myself a lot more and I'm, I just, I, I don't kind of react very well if I feel too hemmed in. I need a bit of freedom. Yeah. And you mentioned there about um, your introverted side. How integral is the collaboration and community that you seek out from other people in your work? Do you enjoy working in solitude or is the connection with others where you feel most comfortable? What Which bit do you prefer or is it more of a combination of both? 
it's, it's definitely a combination now. There are there are periods of time where I just want to retreat. I want to put my head down, do my editing, have a podcast on, and like be left completely alone to just get on with stuff. Um, and I think naturally, if I didn't have the clubs and the shoots. I'd probably do that all the time and um, my mental health would really suffer um, because I'd then get that nice balance of being then to go out to the clubs and meet all the women and get all inspired and excited again. So again, I mean, it's like talking to you has reminded me how lucky I am. I've kind of created this environment where I get to do both. Um, and I, I think I definitely need both because otherwise I do tend to retreat yeah I have to really push myself especially since moving here because like none of my friend none of our friends are here so I'm in my perfect scenario to like not see anyone basically but when you do you remind yourself that you know it's, it is good for you to connect yeah and I definitely have days like even on club days where I think oh have I got it in me today to go and as soon as I start one conversation with another woman, I'm like, yes, this is fine. I'm in a good place. And so it's you kind of have to push yourself sometimes, don't you? But it's worth it, I think. For sure. Do you prefer to give your whole self to a project or work on multiple things at once? Ooh. I think I would prefer to concentrate on one, but I just, it very rarely happens because there's so many spinning plates. I like being able to completely absorb in a task and like say planning a shoot for somebody and that searching out the inspiration and pulling mood boards together and kind of really thinking about how far you could go with something. I do love having that, but I think um, certainly not in my work as it exists at the moment, it's very hard to kind of have that de completely dedicated time. I suppose I'm fortunate that when I do my shoots, I'm one-to-one -one with that person and I am fully absorbed in that moment with them. Um, but, um, and again, I think naturally my character is, I like shiny new things. So I kind of, I'm attracted to constantly moving things and new ideas. So, yeah. Yeah, it's hard, isn't it? Because I feel like sometimes I have that with my drawings. I'll finish one and rather than sort of really appreciate what I've done, it's just on to the next, on to the next. Um, so you mentioned there about the research stage and that sort of creative stage. What's, what's your favourite part of a creative project? The beginning, like research, the middle when it's happening or the end, seeing the outcome? Uh, oh, see, there's I, there's an argument for each part of it, but I think I love that beginning of it. I think most of all when it's all to play for, um, and especially if it's like a completely new to me client, or like a, a new environment or a new sector or something that they work in, to really be able to see what else is out there and look at completely different industries to see what inspiration you could bring in and so yeah sh the shiny new thing I think is is probably the most where creatively I feel happiest for sure love that and is there a specific time of day or like a certain time of day when you feel most inspired to create are you morning person night owl I think I'm definitely a night owl um I think it's it's more it's more environment I think for me rather than time so I know I'm like not inventing anything new here but like if I get off my bottom and get out into nature I find that quite inspiring and that's when seemingly random ideas will just land with me or um but definitely not a morning person it takes me a bit of time to like rev up and then I can literally work all the way into the evening um much to my detriment sometimes but um yeah definitely more evening but the environment is a big part I think for me and sometimes just going somewhere completely new you know for inspiration 
Yeah, definitely. And in that hour when you're feeling your most creative, what are you dedicating that time to? What is it that you're doing? It's probably like getting, like literally writing stuff down, you know, whether it's new ideas or themes for the clubs or whether it's something like a new venue that I've just realised or it's predominantly it's it's writing or or gathering together images, you know, that kind of um, mood board type phase, which obviously I have to do at my desk, but. Love mood board. And are there any specific things you do to get into the right headspace for creative work? It could be a smell, a sound, like a specific kind of music, something you eat or drink or something you wear. Any little things that make you think I'm in creative mode now? That's made me think there's so many things I could do to get into creative Um, I think writing is a big like mind opener for me. Um, I don't do it religiously, but I try to do morning pages, you know, kind of just that emptying now. Brain dump. Yes, just onto paper. And that can leave me feeling really free and fresh to start. And I do, to be fair, I have a lot of different essential oils and things around me. So I am like, you know, whether it's kind of rolling something on my skin and breathing it in, I can really feel a mood change when I do that. Um, so, but maybe need to do it more often, actually. It's a bit of a reminder. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love the sort of roll-ons. I do one smell in the morning, one in the evening. And it is just sort of, I think it's also the pausing to actually stop smell breathe it in it's lovely love the idea of an evening one like signaling the end of the day yeah lavender so calming down so nice lovely I was gonna say I also have I don't necessarily like start my day but I have lots of crystals and things around me as well do you have a favorite crystal oh probably something like carnelian you know like kind of reds and really deep rusty kind of colors and things Mm. what properties is that supposed to have it's like um I suppose it's like grounding it's like root chakra like security feeling safe those sorts of things um yeah I think that originally that was like supposed to be one of my birthstones so that's how I got onto it but I, I love having that around me so much of your work, both on and offline, is about lifting other women up. Is that something that you didn't see much of growing up and wanted to change? Or did you see a lot of that and were inspired by it? Yeah, definitely the first. I had a miserable time at school because I was just bullied like relentlessly and by other girls. Um, so I really, really struggled like for friendships and things like that. Um, and then I think kind of in my 20s, I had I actually hung around with blokes more than I did women because I just found it easier at that point. There was I didn't feel like competitive or anything like that. And then fairly recently, really, in the scheme of things, like in the last decade, um, well, I've started to meet women who seem to be like me that like love the deep conversations like we've said and just aren't competitive at all it's all about everybody doing well um and like discovering feminism like that just I wasn't surrounded by anything like that growing up or like in early adulthood so it's become such a passion because I see how powerful it is like having other women around me has been the biggest growth of my business because I've felt supported. I've not felt um, I'm on my going on this journey alone, that when I'm struggling, there is generally somebody else that's had that experience that they can share or they're going through it at the same time. Um, so hence why now I'm just like, like, it's so hugely passionate about women kind of supporting each other because it's so powerful when we do. I recently heard um, Kathleen Moran talking and she was saying that, like, as women, that's what we're really good at, like, coming together and supporting each other. Men don't have that. 
really. You know, there's football and there's other things like that that they maybe unite, like brings them together. But I think it's really unique to women. Um, so, yeah, massive supporter, but it is definitely something I've had to create over the last decade because um, it wasn't there during my formative years. And in the last six months or so, you made the decision to not edit your photos anymore. Um, can you talk me through the thought process behind that and why was it an important decision for you? Yeah, um, I've never heavily edited photos anyway. Um, like I've never removed wrinkles or slimmed people down or just never, ever done that. But it struck me probably because of my daughter. I've got a daughter who's nearly 14, um, who obviously is absorbing so much information through social media. And just the conversations I was having with her about how these images of, of other girls or other women that she was seeing just aren't real. You know, the, all the changes that have been done, all the lighting, you know, everything that goes into creating those covers of magazines and things like that um so a lot of it came initially from her and then a lot of the women I work with I want them to feel comfortable as they are we're just hounded aren't we by social media and advertising and and society of all the things we should look like how our skin should be how our hair should be our physique how we should look um and I just I just want women to realise that they are completely enough as they are. So that decision to step away with the editing was, it just felt like I had to reinforce that. If I'm saying that, I can't then go in and start changing anything significant in a photo. So I'll do things like, you know, I straighten things up. If, you know, if there's a lot of yellow light from artificial lighting, I'll change those sorts of things. But the woman herself stays completely intact and would look like if you met her on the street that I suppose that's the thing and if you're promoting you know a business I think there's actually something really inauthentic that if you've got these pictures that have been taken you know and you're wearing clothes that you wouldn't never wear your hair's done your makeup's perfect and then you meet that person in real life you're like oh okay this you're kind of different to what I thought so I am very much about being real and therefore I think my work has to talk about that as well. Yeah. And going back to what you were saying about, you know, the world that you're, the digital world that your daughter's growing up in, it, it's scary how quickly things have developed. When I think back, I think my age group maybe just sort of just missed out on that because when I was about 12 or 13, yes. we were maybe doing a little <laughs> photo shoot on photo booth you know, with a comic strip, really dorky like this, just super dorky. Um, whereas my younger brother's age, he's about six years younger, it's all Instagram flawless pictures of, you know, aliens, basically. It's not what we look like. And it, it, I can see how that would be so detrimental to your confidence as a teenage girl thinking, well, I don't look like that. And it's like, no one looks like that. Exactly. And like... It's, it's like whose definition of beauty are we following anyway? Um, that I mean, that's the big thing. I think it's, is it France where I think they've, it's actually illegal now to use filters on, on certain things. I don't know a great deal about it, but, um, and I just think that is such a step in the right direction. Um, because Yeah, but obviously there's a lot of money made from, telling us we're not enough and we need to look a different way um but yeah the the filter thing is yeah really dangerous I think yeah you're an avid reader could you talk a little bit about your relationship with reading and how it informs your practice does reading make you a more creative person oh I adore reading because of the I was going to say the escape but actually my favorite reading topics are memoirs so I actually love reading about other people's lives and they're generally they're not like celebrities or anything like that they're quite normal people that have maybe 
faced a different challenge or something like that. So I love reading memoirs. Um, and probably predictably, a lot of them are female authors as well. Um, so I find that quite inspiring, reading about kind of how people have overcome challenges. So I, I'm definitely inspired by those books. And then I guess there's things I actually love reading about the creative process. I am, I've currently gone back for my third or fourth time to Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert which is all about creativity and that's I don't um well it is helping my creative life because it's that reminder of stop comparing you know finding your own path um being creative for you and not necessarily always thinking about other people and their thoughts on it um so yeah I'm addicted to books and memoir and um, anything that has a creative like lilt to it is I'm particularly drawn to um, definitely what are some of your favorite memoirs or just books that you've read in general recently um one of my favorite authors is a woman called Clover Stroud um and she's wrote well several memoirs based at different stages of her life I find her writing incredible so um She's got one called The Red of My Blood and, oh, the other ones have gone out of my head. But she's, all of her books are amazing and really, I just find them really relatable. Um, I was trying to think, there's one other, there's a, um, I can't remember the author, but there's another called This Is Not A Pity Memoir. And that is an amazing book. Cannot think of the author, but that is well worth looking up. Um trying to see if I've got a copy anywhere to hand but I haven't well I've written this down <laughs> yeah because I also think it's super important to have time in your day that you dedicate to creative acts that aren't necessarily your work to just remove yourself and get lost in and reading would be one of those do you have any others um I am not very good at keeping the routine but I started sketching um, as a, an evening just to a, a friend of mine inspired me to do it because she would at certain points in her day she would just scribble all sorts of things and it might be words and rainbows and whatever was going on like a morning pages but a visual version of it um, so I have done that a few times and I would like to do that more I'd love to paint I would love to paint I watch kind of look at your work and some of the behind the scenes stuff and just think oh that's so maybe that's something I need to give some time to I think sometimes though, that might be an example of things around being a bit deceptive because <laughs> uh I mean I think when people say oh it must be really relaxing I actually find yes when it's not actual work maybe if I'm just out and about it's nice but because mostly it is work the process I actually find quite stressful because I'm trying to find the resolution and it's almost like a puzzle that I'm trying to find the answer to so I'm not really in a video it might look quite relaxing in here it's like this is going to be shit this is going to be shit <laughs> I think that's it's it's such a beautiful thing to be able to pursue creativity as your job isn't it like you know to be able to earn a living doing something like that like for me the photography but it is a job so it's kind of unrealistic isn't it to think that it looks like that all the time I'm the same that you know there's there's photos that I'll be editing that I'm cursing and just like oh I just want to finish these and that doesn't feel particularly creative in the moment um but uh, yeah, the uh, maybe for me, painting would be freeing and um, yeah. Yeah. And for me, maybe I guess take some photos. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Do you ever suffer from creative burnout? Yeah, I think definitely I have done. Um, and I think kind of your your last point, like being able to find creativity away from that, what, you know, the the breadwinning side of it sort of thing. Um, and I think I've been, um, I think it's really easy when you're passionate about what you do to to overcommit yourself to it. 
Um, so generally it's just working too many hours that then, you know, the creativity just ekes away. It just kind of it gets lost. And that's when I definitely need a reset, like getting to the coast or getting out in nature and those sorts of things. Um, it doesn't happen too often, thankfully, but there's definitely times. Mm, I know it's such a cliche. It's also the simple things we have to tell ourselves, but sometimes all you need to do is step outside for a bit and remove yourself. Be like, no, I've got to keep working. I've got this deadline. I've got stuff to do. But the best thing you could do for it would be step away for a while. Yeah, and so often the things end up taking you even longer because you've refused to step away. So therefore, it's like stickier almost to to finish and. Um, so yeah, totally agree. But I'm not always very good at that reminder when I need it the most. Yeah. And what does taking breaks throughout the day look like for you? Um, well, some of them are enforced, like going and getting my daughter from school, um, that sort of thing. Um, and then other times it's probably more like making a coffee. So I'm like, come back and I sit at my, my desk, but maybe not the healthiest way but you know scroll through social media see what's happening that sort of thing um I will sometimes sit and just watch something on my iPad for 10-15 minutes just to take my mind somewhere else um my reading tends to be at night I either read first thing in the morning or last thing at night or both um so I don't tend to pick a book up during the day I think because I'd find it really hard to put it back down again. Um, but yeah, really simple things. I I do sit at my desk for too long when I'm at home editing. Um, like time flies and I just realise like my bottom's gone numb and I've not had any lunch. <laughs> yeah, it's the screen, I think, isn't it? Well, actually, I think there's multiple things. I think when it's when I'm on my screen, time just goes. But also, I guess when you're doing creative work, you enter that flow state where you're so absorbed that like time almost doesn't exist <laughs> and then it's four hours later you're like where did that go exactly that yeah what's the project you're most proud of uh definitely the club the passion purpose club um because there's just uh it's funny actually because there isn't like a body of work that comes from that that you know there's the photos that we take at the clubs but it's that it's that feeling of bringing those women together, and I've seen so many business collaborations, but friendships that have come out of the club, people that have met there and really got on well. So yeah, without a shadow of a doubt, that's like yeah, my still remains, and hopefully will be for quite a while. My kind of where my pride is, um, I get so much from doing that for me as well. So yeah that's so lovely do you ever experience self-doubt within your work and um, if so how do you tackle the inner critic <laughs> it's like it's almost the opposite it's like am I ever self-assured in what I'm doing like so just constantly challenging myself and comparing I've had um like periods of time um where I've done it less um and I've been less compare and less kind of, this is good. This is like a true reflection of me and my work. And, and I think over time, I've got better and better at that. But it's definitely not anything I've nailed by any stretch. And I still, I genuinely really, really struggle when somebody says, like, I've got my images, they're amazing. I absolutely adore them. You've got such a gift. And I kind of my default still in my mind is, oh, they're just being nice. I, it's like I can't quite reconcile that. I don't know if that will ever be the case. Um, and there's constant room for improvement in what I'm doing. I think that's part of my character as well, very much. I think that's part of being an artist as well. If you think you're dumb, like you're never dumb, really. You're always learning and evolving and growing. And I think I've, I'm kind of at a point now where it's like not paralyzing. You know, there's there's been points in the past where I've doubted my work so much. 
um, that it's it's been a really negative experience. So I'm I'm definitely kind of not there anymore. Um, and there are sometimes I think time is like a big thing. I can look back on my work, even from like six months ago, and think that's actually quite a good picture. But I just don't see it at the time. Um, so, and weirdly, I see that with women's attitudes to the photos I take. Because sometimes they can look, they look, they'll always say, it's not you, the photography is really good, but I, I'm still uncomfortable with how I look in that picture. But when they look six months later or three months later, they kind of go, actually, that I look all right in that. It's, I don't know what that is, but I do it in relation to my work and I see women doing it in relation to photos of themselves. It's like we need a bit of distance from it. Or yeah, interesting. I think the distance thing is an interesting one. I kind of have almost the opposite sometimes when I look back on my work from about five or six years ago and I think oh my goodness that is shocking I can't I actually can't believe people would commission me to do things <laughs> at that time but actually although my um technical skills have, and like the technical side of my drawings and my use of color has improved massively I feel like I used to just chuck everything at it whereas now I will consider but there's something within the soul of that early work that still feels like me so not necessarily that I think it's a great drawing, but I can see myself in it. And it's all it's all part of the process, isn't it? Looking at back on your old work. I think that's kind of it's really nice as well, because that's kind of a show of compassion to yourself as well, isn't it? That, you know, hopefully we are all improving our craft the more we do it and the more experience we gain. But to be able to look and appreciate the younger artist in you is really lovely. I love that. I try and take that off, Georgie. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. How much do you think technology comes in between you and your creative work? Would you consider yourself addicted to your devices? Yeah, if I'm honest, definitely social media, Instagram. Um, although I do think there's a flip side because I love Instagram for the inspiration I can get from it, seeing what other people are doing, particularly other women, other photographers. Um, like I'm more often inspired by it than I am pulled down by it. Um, and I think, I suppose, like not necessarily intentionally, but I've got that a better balance because I love reading. I love coming away and all my reading is actual physical books. I can't read a Kindle. I've got one and I've got stuff on it, but I can never, ever quite approach it in the same way. So I've I've maybe got that balance that I do seek a lot of inspiration in books, in magazines, that sort of thing. Um, and I guess the other thing like it kind of brings up is around like AI and everything that's happening at the moment. I completely fell for some images recently that were AI, which was the cast of Succession, but photographed in like a Wes Anderson style. So it just looked like that, you know, they were dressed in the outfits, they were in different locations. And I was looking, God, this is amazing work. I love this. And then read fully the caption and realised. So, you know, that I find that quite daunting. Um, you know, photography, words, all of these things that are being generated Um but I am a big believer in like some of the things we've touched on, like work coming from your soul and being, you know, open to other inspiration and that informing your work and, and things like that. So, yeah, and that was a little like it's over here for me kind of going. Yeah, AI is scary. We had an email come round through my illustration agency for my the head of the agency and I think the gist of it was basically you know I hope we're also you guys are also going to have jobs because basically robots can do our job now but you'd like to I know in when maybe working with companies that's true companies could just get AI to make it but I think there's something about the human experience that I like to think people are buying art when people buy your art they're buying your story as well and it's about 
the relationship between you and them. Absolutely. I completely agree. And I think somebody said to me recently, we were talking about music in terms of AI. And I was kind of saying, you know, you can't replace like being at a concert and that amazing feeling of seeing the energy that's going into it from the, you know, from the stage and things. And this other person kind of said, yeah, but there's like the ABBA, you know, there's like the show with all the AI generated. I was like, I just don't think I could go and enjoy it. But that's not like watching a live performance and seeing, you know, people physically sweating because of the energy that they're putting in. So I hope, you know, the biggest thing for humans is connection, isn't it? And I think, like you're saying, the stories that come through creative work, that's what I'm interested in connecting to. So It's going to be really interesting to see how it goes, because I guess with everything else, like fashion, furniture, music, everything's sort of cyclical, but technology can it only just go forward like I'd love to think that maybe we'll go back and retreat back into a way where maybe a, the greatest commodity will not be being seen by everyone and we might want to just get on with our lives by ourselves I'd, I would definitely like that's the way I'm focusing moving forward and like to a certain extent like I see it with my daughter who you know, has known nothing different than technology and social media and all these different things. And she still adores putting her phone down and going playing football. Her favourite pastime is still ultimately meeting face-to-face with her friends. Um, So that gives me hope that, you know, as much as new generations are have got more technology available to them, she's still ultimately seeking out human connection. So... Yeah. And speaking of in real life events, I saw that you photographed DJ Flourish at her self-love rave, which I was so envious of because I'm actually I'm going to Happy Place Festival in September and she's playing there, but all the self-love rave tickets for that have sold out. But it looked amazing. Could you just talk a bit about what that was like and yeah, the environment for people who might not be familiar. Oh, it was so good. So like put really, really simply, um, Caroline, DJ Flourish, Caroline is all about self-love, empowerment, just being yourself. Um, So her rave, so the one I attended earlier this year, um, that was a silent one. So you had the headphones on and she DJed and obviously put all created all the music for the event and um she doesn't like talk constantly all the way through but she reminds you at the beginning to just forget that anybody else is there just get back into your own body like feel the music move with the music and I was fortunate Caroline had asked me to come photograph the event but I went thinking Caroline knows this I went thinking I won't be able to relax into the music, but it's fine. I'm there to take the photos. And I was literally like the first two minutes, I was like moving a little bit and thinking, oh, this feels a bit clunky. And then before I knew it, I had completely lost myself in the music. It was beautiful. Um, And everybody there, you could just see all the women were just completely free. It was beautiful to witness. Everybody dancing completely differently. Nobody trying to be like anybody else. Even like the things that people were wearing, you had like full on lycra cat suits and neon headbands all the way through to jeans, T-shirt, Converse. And everybody was welcome. It's just it was such a beautiful environment to be part of. And you come away because her events are also sober um so you come away on an absolute high and instead of waking up with a hangover the next morning you wake up thinking I feel amazing you know you just yeah it's honestly one of it well it's the best thing I've been to in the past couple of years by far um so yeah so she's she's got the happy place coming up hasn't she and then she's got um October she's got an event in Manchester um but a, a hand on heart I would have like it's it's just the best thing every, every woman should do it 
every woman. Yeah, I think I'm going to have to find a way to sneak in. <laughs> Definitely. She's uh, she's amazing. And she, uh, what's the saying? She she walks the talk as well. Um, she's, you know, she's very open about her own struggles in the past. And this has all come from, you know, her own journey. So it's very truthful, the way she speaks and the way she um not controls that's not the right word but the the energy and the environment that she creates comes from like a very authentic place love that well i think that's a great note to end on i think we might end with just three quick five questions that's okay with you okay first thing you do when you wake up oh i hate it but i look at my phone i'm gonna be honest (laughs) thanks for the honesty last thing you do before you go to sleep oh i read read why is living a creative life important to you the first thing that comes to mind is I just can't imagine being any other way um it's yeah I just in order to be the real version of me that's that involves being creative and yeah I just can't imagine not being able to do that um and I've not always done it, as you know, but it's it's something I'm proud that I kind of dug my heels in and, and have forged kind of a career and a path doing something that I'm passionate about and that happens to be really creative and allows me to be creative. Love that. Well, thank you so much for chatting to me today. I've loved, loved it. it. Really loved it. It's been lovely to catch up with you, but the questions have really made me think and yeah it's been brilliant thank you if you want to find out more about karen's work you can find her on instagram at with passion and purpose and you can find me at georgie stewart illustration if you enjoyed this episode i'd love for you to share it with a friend or anyone who might find it interesting thank you for listening to creative rituals